you're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Today's episode is on the connection between art and nature and our guest is Brenton C. He's an artist from Perth that creates incredible murals of native Western Australian flora and fauna and he's become so successful that he's now paid to travel around Western Australia creating murals. Welcome to the show, Brenton. Hey, how you going? Nice to be here. Yeah, good, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm covered in paint at the moment, just uh, raced here from a job I'm currently working on, but uh, that's how it is. <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, that's how it goes, isn't it? So let's talk a little bit about some of your work. What is it about this sort of natural native iconography that helps you express what it is that you're trying to say as an artist? So for me, I guess I've always painted animals, not necessarily local animals, but uh, from a young age, I guess I related more to the environment and nature over people. I never really connected with people and often preferred to be alone. So I'd spend quite a bit of time just down the road at our local park in the bush or in the garden or I bred birds when I was young, so I would spend a lot of time sitting in the aviary with the birds. So, yeah, I guess throughout my life I've often enjoyed being away from people and, and in nature and then later in life I kind of uh, realised it was very important to incorporate this into some form of work if I could. So, yeah, it's it's been with me since a, since a child, but uh, more in the last couple of years I've, lucky enough with my work, I've been able to really push my major interest, which is obviously local um, flora and fauna. So it took a while to get to that stage. Obviously, I had to build up a a clientele and a name for myself. Um, And the longer you do that, the more uh, freedom I guess you've got to push exactly what you want to do. And I'm lucky that I can do that now. And um, I sort of get a feeling that maybe some of your work expresses all kinds of different emotion, like maybe some of the sunnier ones have a totally different feel to maybe some of the more uh, aquatic ones, you know, like the whales and stuff like that. Does emotion play into the work that you do? It used to. Um, Some of my earlier works, uh, a lot of people know this via uh, some of the info I've had on my website for, uh, for a little while. I suffered with depression for quite a while and a lot of my work that I was doing really reflected how I was feeling. So some of my earlier works especially the titles associated to them, really came through and and represented exactly how I was feeling at the time. So, yeah, there was a lot of darker work before. And it's funny, as I got better, you know, a lot more colour came into my work and eventually when, you know, all all the issues I was having completely went, I could solely focus on what made me happy and that, I guess, is painting local wildlife and I didn't really have to worry about telling a story about how I was feeling I guess so you know even though my work now is a little bit is a little bit different and the reasons why I'm doing it is different it's really good to have a lot of those older murals on the streets because it's it's almost like a life you know life history of of what I was going through you know on a wall which is pretty cool (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. So it's like a, it's totally like a documentation of exactly um, yeah, yeah your story as an artist. 
you know, I don't delete any of my old works off social media. So if, you, if, if anyone goes back onto my Instagram or Facebook, they can see my progress as an artist, but also, you know, how my style has changed and what was going on at the time. I've, I've never really deleted a post. So, you know, people can go back seven, eight years ago and they can really see some of my dark times and work I was producing. So I think, you know, that that's a good thing about social media. People can really see the history of an artist from the, from the start to where they are now. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So I think it, that's really great that you don't just take it down even if you've progressed because, um, yeah, I think that's really valuable to be able to chart um, your journey like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, these days it's quite common to um, see an artist's profile on let's say Instagram and um, there won't be too many photos on there because it's sometimes it's common knowledge to increase your follower count. It's about having a little amount of content but really good content so that it works with the with the algorithm. So it's it's really strange. But you know I've never I've never been one to really care about all that sort of stuff. I just want to have all my work out there I don't you know I don't pick and choose I try and put everything I've done out there because the way I feel about it is you know if I don't post something that might be someone that misses out on looking at that and that might be a job gone so you know for Mm. me I'd rather post everything and not really care about what impact it's going to have I just want to get it Mm. out there (laughs) yeah and you never know what someone's going to resonate with yeah exactly so what were your interactions with wildlife like as a child and a teenager do you feel a connection to nature I do, yeah, for sure. So I guess my earliest memory is um, going down south to Quindalup where my mum um, grew up and her family is and going into my past grandmother. She had a aviary full of full of budgies and I would just sit in there for hours and hours and just, and just watch them. Um, she lived on a farm and, you know, if I wasn't in the aviary, I was walking around the acres and acres on the paddocks. So I guess that's probably my earliest memory of walking around in the bush after that probably going through primary school I really got into breeding Australian finches and then parrots so again around the same sort of thing as the Avery I guess I got inspiration from my grandma but really got involved with that and and learning buying every book I could on on these birds and and learning a lot from that and then uh, going into high school I guess my attitude changed a little bit and I I started looking more in, you know, into our gardens and what there is around us and, you know, <laughs> my opinions on caging something sort of changed as well. So, you know, nowadays I, you know, I kind of disagree with with caging things. So it's funny how things change. But, um, yeah, so through high school I actually uh, volunteered at the uh, Fauna Rehabilitation Centre in Malaga, which is uh, now Native Animal Rescue. So, yeah, so a few years there I was um, caring for a sick and injured native wildlife yeah, and I guess that really started my interest in our native wildlife. So that's where it all started. It's just been a long journey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything has sort of brought me to to this point, you know, and, and along the way I was always drawing whatever I was involved in. So all the birds I was breeding, I was, you know, I was using the identif- identification guides and I was redrawing what I had in my own aviary. So, you know, it was always animals that I was painting but I noticed that you've got a lot of plants in your work as well. And um, yeah. one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you do some native flowers, especially like Banksias and there's a couple of other ones, and you just yeah. sort of you've reduced them down to geometric shapes. And I think they're so cool because they're still so recognisable. How did you come up with that idea? Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
So the geometric flora, that began from, I guess, studying graphic design. So after high school, I went and studied graphic design. The love for graphic design sort of came from my also my pastime of skateboarding. So along with all the nature stuff, I, um, skateboarding took up a lot of my life, but I was really drawn to the skateboard graphics and the t-shirts and the brands associated with it. And a lot of the time they are very simple. You know, there's a lot of simple forms, I guess, you know, skateboard graphics, you're not always seeing the bottom of it, but when you do, you kind of want to look at it really quickly and you can sort of tell what it is. So I was always really drawn to the graphic form and being able to sort of see something quickly and know exactly what it is without having to stare at it for too long. So yeah, I kind of brought a lot of the graphic elements into my work. It started with a lot of shapes and squares. A lot of those things I sort of still use today. And then, uh, yeah, then it went on to um, breaking down a lot of our local flora into a simplistic form. I did that for a little while and then awkwardly, you know, I don't really talk about it too much, but another artist who was doing a lot of geometric forms actually um, contacted me and, and sort of said, you know, I've been watching your work for a little while now and I, I realise that, you know, you're doing a lot of these uh, geometric forms and, it, and it's kind of looking a little bit like my work and it sort of blew me away, you know, and because um, I, I never, I actually never really look at other artists' work for inspiration at all. It, it all comes from being outside. You know, that threw me under the bus a little bit and, um, you know, it could have set me back a little bit and I had to do a bit of soul searching, but, you know, I, I kind of reevaluated and, and thought, well, you know, I could still I could still do a lot of the geometric things that I love, you know, and if this, if this is an issue, at the end of the day, I'm just happy to paint flora and fauna. You know, it doesn't, it's not a big thing for me if I can't do it in a, in a certain way. I mean, obviously I, I loved doing that geometric stuff, but, you know, I, it's always a monkey on my back. I don't want to. I don't want to have issues with anyone or anything like that. And it's been a, been a bit of a blessing because you know I've really been able to sort of play with what I'm doing now in, in different ways and and um, incorporate a lot of um, different flora and and forms and experiment with different scale and stuff. So it's really like like with the rest of rest of the things that I've done it's really just a progression and that was a stage that I went through and it was was awesome and it's unfortunate that I'm not doing it anymore but you know I think it's also good to get the reason behind why I'm no longer doing it out there and it is what it is and that's fine with me I'm I'm happy I'm happy doing what I'm doing <laughs> yeah and I mean the the realistic style of um the flowers and stuff you're doing now still look heaps cool anyway so yeah yeah so with the way I, I paint, uh, along with the, the graphic design background, I also did an, a tattoo apprenticeship for a little while. So I learned how to to, um, to draw and paint in the way a lot of tattoos um, are created. So a lot of bold colour, a lot of use of black and, and highlights. So it's funny, um, a lot of that really has come into my work without even really knowing it. And now I get a lot of people telling me that my style is so recognisable and it, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, we, even without the geometric stuff that I'm doing, people still can see my work. So that, that's really cool. Awesome. And so you, you sort of spend a bit of time with as a tattooist and cut your teeth a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that professional journey of yours? Yeah, so I guess I'll kind of start from after high school. So I went into um, study graphic design after high school because 
after all the years of skateboarding, I kind of thought, you know, what, what can I do? What, what line of work can I do that will get me into working with my hands and, and creating something? So I, I, th- I thought if I study graphic design, I might be able to get a job as a screen printer for T-shirts or something like that. So, you know, that was my first thought. So studying for a few years, you know, I built my skills up on the computer and then I, you know, I talked to a few other people that were studying that were in years above me and every it seemed that everyone that had left the course went into a job where they were just creating business cards and flyers all day, you know, and that didn't ring any any fun bells for me. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe maybe I need to get out before I even finish because I might just be wasting, wasting my time. So, you know, I, I left after I got a few certificates and then I, I left and I thought, well, all right, I don't really want to work with computers. What's What can I do that, you know, that there might be money in, but I can work with my hands. And at that time, I think I got my first tattoo. I ended up talking to one of the tattooists there and, you know, just discussing, I guess, like I am with you, what I've been doing. And, and he suggested, you know, making a portfolio and showing it and trying to get an apprenticeship at that shop. So I kind of went back and, you know, spent a little while drawing up a few designs and I was quite lucky that, you know, the, the kind of skateboard graphics looked similar to sort of um, the, the things you would see as tattoos. So I, I built a portfolio of, of the kind of things that I was liking and it got me the apprenticeship there. So, yeah, I was I was stoked to, to go in there. It was unpaid, so I was having to work retail on the side, um, so doing a lot of hours at the shop. And then when I wasn't there, I was working retail to basically pay for my parking <laughs> and um, pay for lunch and stuff. So, yeah, I did that for I think it was about seven or eight months, learned a lot about the industry, um, the good and the bad. And um, it was funny because, you know, I thought I'd get into this into this career and I'd be able to, you know, have fun and do what I want on people's skin and really be quite free. But I kind of learnt that it was more about the client telling you what they want. And even if you didn't enjoy doing it or want to do it, you just, you got to do it. So, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way as well. So yeah, I ended up leaving, leaving that and then just went back into retail for a little while because it was what I was, what I knew and it was easy and doing retail, it doesn't really take much brain cells. And I was able to still go home at the end of the day and, and do what I love, which was painting and drawing. So over time, I, I guess I'd, kept pursuing the painting and drawing and did it more and more and began to get my name out there. And then I kind of dropped back on the retail, continued to drop back and um, eventually was able to leave retail and then go full-time, which was canvas painting. So I was was painting canvases, painting on wood and painting on furniture. I was was experimenting experimenting with a whole lot of things. And a lot of the time, because I didn't have much money, I was, I was, finding things at op shops to paint on. So I was painting on a lot of wooden furniture and things, which I really enjoyed. And then I was able to sort of clean them up and paint something on them and sell them for a lot more than I bought them for. So at that stage, I was uh, working from a studio in the city, just outside of Northbridge in Perth. And I kind of told myself, all right, let's um, have a go at leaving my job in retail and sort of trying to push this for a year. So I wanted to see whether I could do it for a year sort of lock myself into a contract that I wrote myself, I guess. So I did that, quit my job in retail and uh, worked out of the studio for a year, um, paying the rent at the studio and then also paying rent at the place I was staying at. And I got through the year, but I kind of broke even. I didn't really make much money, even though I was doing okay off the art. So 
it was funny, you know, I was doing exactly what I love, but I didn't really have any money to show for it. I was a little bit scared in charging a lot of money because I was I didn't want people to be to be scared off and, and not buy my work. So I was charging a really, really decent price for, for what I was doing. And then I, I guess after after uh, doing that year, I started working from home um, just to save money on rent. And around, you know, a little while later, I guess this brings me to around 2014, 2015, a friend of mine was doing a mural in Mount Lawley and asked me to split the wall with another friend of ours. Um, so there was the three of us on a, on a wall. People can go and, and see it. It's behind Fresh Provisions in in Mount Lawley in, in Perth, um, behind a car park there. And um, yeah, we split that wall up between us and, and I did a section and and that one was a whole lot of coloured shapes and um, and a few animals. So at that time I was experimenting with um, of animals of scale and, and what they said to me. So I was painting a lot of uh, whales and sharks and, and elephants because I think at, at that time it really related to how I was feeling. So I was dealing with a lot of um, issues uh, mentally and and I kind of put myself in the position of one of these animals and thought, well, if I was one of them, you know, nothing could bother me. So, you know, I really enjoyed painting all these animals of, of scale and that were allowed to walk the earth and swim in the oceans and not be bothered. Um, so that allowed me to sort of release some of the, the things I needed to by, by painting them. So that first mural, that's what that's what was on that. A group called Form happened to be um, walking past at the time. So Form is a group that do a lot of arts things around WA and uh, and at the time they were doing a little mural festival and asked um, if I wanted to be involved and kind of went straight on and, and painted another mural from, from that and uh, it really has not stopped since that. <laughs> So yeah, pretty pretty crazy journey. Sounds like a crazy journey, and I think there's yeah. probably a lot of people <laughs> listening who are thinking, "Oh, geez, that sounds like it's going to give me anxiety even just listening to the thought yeah. of jumping out on your own." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess, how did yeah. that feel jumping out on your own? It was really scary, but at the same time, because of the issues I was going through, I knew I knew that it was the only thing that made me happy. So I basically had to do it. You know, there was nothing at all that. I could see myself doing and if I was to get myself out of the black hole that I was in I had to be doing what I wanted and what made me happy so you know I just had to do it I didn't really have a choice you know I had to I had to make a way to find it to to find it possible yeah wow and you've actually managed to make it work so that's absolutely incredible yeah yeah thanks (laughs) yeah so do you recommend that everyone follows their dreams and depend on their own ability to make income or do you think that that's on a person-by-person basis? Or The way I kind of break it down now, and I, I mentor a few other artists that have started out and you know, I think it's really important to help out people wherever you can. The way I sort of look at life now is I only want to do what makes me happy and that's with everything that I do, especially with 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 what I do as far as painting murals goes. So... I would say to anyone, you know, if you've got somewhere you want to be in life, that is going to bring you ultimate happiness. Do whatever you can to eventually get there. You know, with art especially, it's a long process, um, but only the people that stick with it are the ones that are going to make it out the other end. So, you know, I would say work part-time in crappy jobs doing whatever it takes to get some money beside and, you know, a lot of the work that I first did wasn't paid you know, some of them were free. 
Um, you know, some of them, they only paid for my materials, but it was important for me to practice and get my work out there. And, you know, I knew that the more I did, the more possibilities in, in getting paid work. So, yeah, I think if you've got something that you want to do, make a way for it to, to come true, you know. But I think, you know, a lot of the time it comes down to money. So if you're able to have some sort of income to put some money in your pocket while pursuing what you want to do on the on the outside, that's the, I would say that's the way to way to do it. You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. going to quit everything and go straight into into what you're doing, if you're not earning any money, then you can't you can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, It'd be nice if we could, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> just find a crappy job that that pays pays the bills mm-hmm. and pays the rent, and then you know if you've got you if that gives you free time, yeah, if that gives you free time to do what makes you happy, then keep doing that, and then like what I did, just keep doing it and eventually you can cut back cut back cut back and then one day do you know you might be able to come out the other end and and make a career out of it but yeah just keep pursuing it you know my my process you know took 15 years or something so <laughs> it takes a while yeah it takes a long time yeah. and i've heard you talking about um one of your early experiences that sort of really made it clear to you that this is your path and you're talking about someone who noticed a bird in one of your artworks can you tell us a little bit about that story yeah so a suburb about an hour away from from where i live um in perth i was painting a mural on the side of a shopping center and you know a lot of the time when i do commission murals the client does have a few objects that they find necessary in the mural and sometimes these might be you know if I'm, I'm if I'm working at a shopping center there might be a lot of magpies that hang around so they they will tell me uh, let's include a magpie because they're, they're in the area sometimes I try to include animals that are seen um, in the direct area just so that people can recognize a couple of things and then also I try and include animals that aren't so seen just for an educational sort of aspect to it but yeah, I was I was painting this mural and uh, I painted a bird that you know I was very familiar with. I understand that a lot of people might not have the love for you know our local wildlife that I do, but I painted a, a twenty eight parrot, um, you know, commonly known as an, as an Australian ringnet, but a lot of Aussies call them twenty eights. It's a very common bird. You know, I literally see them every day, no matter where I am really in Perth. I will see them if not hear them. So I, I thought it was you know, as common a bird as a, a magpie or a galah. But, a, yeah, a guy came out of the chemist where I was painting and came up to me and he had a look at the mural and he's like, it's, he, he's like, oh, it's really cool, like really colourful, really cool. But what is that? And he pointed at the 28 and I said, I said, it's a 28. And he said, a what? A 28? I was like, yeah, it's a parrot. You'll see, you'll see them everywhere. And he's like, I've never seen one of them before. And literally as he said that, there was one calling out in the tree behind the car park, and I pointed at it and I showed him and he nodded his head and he's like, oh, yeah, there it is. I was like, I cannot (laughs) believe you have not seen one of those birds before. Like he obviously lived in the area um, because he was just picking up a a script, um, it looked like. And, we, you know, the mural was very close to a bushland, so if anything, there would be a lot of those birds around. Um, But, yeah, it, it really showed that, you know, even the common birds people you know don't really know about so i was like well you know i could be painting an african parrot on this wall and no one would know any better but if i'm able to start really focusing on what we've got around the area hopefully it's going to spread the word around 
about what we have because obviously people don't even know what we have here. <laughs> well, that's such so, an example of how art can like literally help people form new relationships with nature. Yeah, 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 because then that person will then go ahead and tell someone else what that bird is. So, you know, and that's why I, I really, especially if I'm doing murals in public, I take my time in talking with the people and telling them what is on the mural because they will go back and tell someone else. So that's what I enjoy about it because, you know, half the people I will tell um, what I've included in the murals have no idea what they were and now they do. So, mm. yeah, for me it's important. It's really important. It's, it's oh, as 100%. important as the mural. That's why we wanted to so. get you on. Yeah. yeah. That's why we yeah. wanted to get you on because that, that art-nature um, connection is just huge. Yeah, and, you know, I think with the way we live these days, people are very visual. You know, everyone's on their phones. People aren't really reading books or anything like that. So if it takes a, a mural to get someone to cross a car park and have a chat with me, you know, I might as well have a conversation with them and tell them what I'm doing. So, um, look, yeah. we've got a bit of a fun question here now. We're going to cool. mix it up a little bit. So plants and animals share a common ancestor somewhere back in time. And I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on how are plants and animals similar and how are plants and animals different? So before I really spent a lot of time bushwalking and, and taking photos, I never really considered the similarities and, and the need um, animals have for plants and the other way around. But, you know, watching a lot of, a lot of these, these birds and, and things in particular, they, they wouldn't be able to survive without blossoms you know blossom on trees opening up and allowing them to have their nectar and and then a you know a lot of these insects that are attracted by a lot of the fruits on trees and and seeds and and flowers and then the animals that that then eat, eat those insects so in a way you know you can't have one without the other so i think you know you can't get more connected to that than that but um sorry i don't know if i've answered your question or not yeah you <laughs> but have i, I think things that you were talking about how um, one moves and the other doesn't, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, even though we, we don't really see plants moving as much besides the wind pushing pushing the branches, I guess, you know, all plants move in the direction of the sun to get the sun's energy. You know, flowers will close at night and then open again in the morning, well, a lot of them do, to then get the sun's rays and stuff, you know. So, they're you know, they're eating as well, you know. They're, you know, they're eating the sun, so... Mm. Animals can move to get what they want and then plants also can move to get what they want. So, you know, that <laughs> it's it's really interesting. You know, I don't I don't look into it too much, but you know, there, there's definitely a, a massive connection there. And, you know, it's only since following the seasons and what's happening during the seasons and you know what comes out at, at certain times of the year and stuff that I've kind of, you know, realized how how important, especially the plants are that that bloom at certain times, because there's sometimes there's only a few birds that will you'll see because they're they're feeding on something in particular. So, yeah, it all it all comes comes full circle. It's really cool. Yeah, they're all in a web together. That's they a are. big theme in our in our yep. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, so, you know, it took it took sorry, it took it took yeah. it took me sort of really focusing on this local um, flora and fauna path to really, you know, understand because before then, you know, I, I was using a lot of images I found on Google and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting out there as much because it's, it's easy to just go on Google and find something you're looking for. But focusing on local flora and fauna means there's no reason why I can't get out of the house, go for a drive, find a reserve and find what I'm looking for because I'm painting, I'm painting the local stuff. So there's no reason why I can't get out there, find it and photograph it and then, 
when I find what I'm trying to photograph, I can see what it's interacting with and, you know, in turn, then those things that they're interacting with become part of the mural. So, it, yeah, even that comes full circle. You know, without mm. getting out there, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't be painting what I'm painting because I wouldn't know about it. I'd rely on what's on what's on Google, which isn't always right. So, yeah. That's huge, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, I think as well, like just um, getting out there and actually connecting with the real things sort of, um, I mean, I'm not an artist, but it, it almost feels a little bit different to connecting with the, um, you know, with, with those um, visual things uh, through a screen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know, since since taking up this photography, I've I've then been able to to make um, connections and friends with a lot of other photographers, birds, but also reptiles. Um, Adam Bryce is an amazing um, photographer of snakes and lizards and frogs and things. And you know, I managed to find some of his photos. And now, if I've got a mural that involves a local frog or a snake, he's happy for me to you know, send him a message and ask for permission and, and I'm, I'm able to paint some of the best photography there is. So, mm-hmm. you know, even taking up photography has now led me on to this, to this new way of, of finding photos. So it's funny how it all works out, but it's really pushed me in the direction where it's really limitless. You know, if I need a certain pose, I can go out and find a bird and I can take a hundred photos of it moving all over the place and, you know, that in itself could be a hundred different murals. <laughs> so yeah, it's really opened the doors for me. Yeah, that's awesome. A lot of people, uh, when they're talking about nature and their love for nature, cite David Attenborough as um, one of their biggest influences. I know for me, he's definitely been a huge influence on me. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about how did he influence your journey? I guess from a very young age, when I was really into birds and breeding birds. I think around that time was when The Life of Birds came out, a series that was on TV. I think that was one of the first things that I'd seen. And I think it was his calming voice with the images that really drew me in. You know, I'm I'm a person that can get quite annoyed by by certain voices, you know. I enjoy listening to Australian podcasts, but sometimes if I'm listening to American ones, um, no offence, hopefully, to anyone out there, but, you know, sometimes even little things can annoy me. <laughs> so I think well, I for I'm some reason, you much. <laughs> no, no, you're, yeah, you're not at all. You're not at all. You know, <laughs> I, I would never tell anyone that they were annoying me. Um, but, oh, you just you know, invalidated no, what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Attenborough, yeah, something about his voice was very calming and it, and it really fit with what he was talking about. And, um, you know, you can kind of almost just shut your eyes and, and listen to what's going on and, and that's enough. And then add the visuals into it, you know, when he's working with some of the best videographers in the world, um, there's really nothing like it. You can't really go to anything else. You can't really watch any other documentary because there's something missing. Um, he's ruined it, hasn't he? He's just too good. Yeah. I can't watch any other documentaries because it's, it's not enough. You know, there's a team, the teams that he has and even a lot of the recent things that he has put out there, the, the behind-the-scenes footage and stuff, that's that's what I really enjoy seeing. Uh, you know, I, I've got such a passion for what I do. It, it really rubs off when you see someone else that has obvious passion and that's, you know, it oozes out of him. So I guess I connect with people that have passion and probably is a big thing as well. Me too, 100%. So, look, we're going to come to – we're coming to the close of the episode now. There's going to be a lot of people out there who want to – they've heard your voice, they haven't seen your work and – Maybe they're even interested in um, commissioning a piece of artwork if they're in 
the area in Perth there yeah, or sure. in Western Australia. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about where people can go to find your work and perhaps even commission you? Sure. So I've got a website. It's www.brentonc.com.au and there is a section on there that they can get in touch with me. I will be changing that in the not-so-distant future so that it makes it a little bit easier to understand and and get straight to the point on on what they're after. But, yeah, they can contact me on there. Uh, I think my phone number is also on there so they can give me a call. Otherwise, I'm on all forms of social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so you can send me a message on there. Um, and I try and get back as quick as I can. Recently got a workplace up in the hills, which is really nice and picturesque and in the bush where I want to be. So I'm there once a week to answer all my emails. So yeah, if I don't get back to you straight away, um, trust me, it will be within a week. <laughs> and we'll chuck some links in the show notes for any listeners who just want to check out the show notes. Just click on it so you don't have to type it all in and you'll be brought straight to his webpage and check it all out. Read, read his stuff too because he's got some interesting stories there, don't you? Yeah, and I'll be updating my bio. But but again, I'm going to leave my old bio and what I was going through at the time because I think it's important to to show that that history. But um, yeah, I'll be creating a new bio and of um, could kind of go in depth of what I'm doing today. But yeah, I'm still going to leave all that old information up there because yeah, I think it's really important um, and quite relevant, obviously, to to today's climate um, for people to read that sort of thing because they can they can relate to it. I think a lot of people can. 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. Look, Brenton, thanks so much for coming on the show, mate. Um, No worries at all. We really appreciate it. And I just think everyone out there, I just hope you guys are all listening and just thinking like, is there a way that I can express my own love for nature or maybe even should I be getting out into nature more so I actually end up feeling more inspired? It's kind of a two-way street there. Um, For sure. And it's good for your soul. (laughs) Good good for for your soul. soul. It absolutely is. I mean, even just today I was down at, because we're in lockdown, yeah. And just walking around, take your shoes off, just put your feet in the grass, sit underneath the tree, drink a cup of coffee yeah. and just put your phone down and just close your eyes and just listen to the wind and the Exactly, birds. exactly. You know, and even if you can find a spot that's out of reception, that's even a bonus. <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Brenton. No we'll worries at all. See you later. Cheers. Promise. Bye. I'm interested to know how you connect with nature. Is there a particular artist that you really enjoy or do you even create your own art Maybe it's enough for you just to be in nature and you don't need to express it through art. Let me know on Twitter at Plants Grow Here or on our Facebook group. There are a few links in the show notes that I definitely recommend you check out, including our social media pages, as well as a couple of interesting ones, including a link to an article that I wrote about some of the different relationships that plants have with other organisms. <laughs>